0: Hello and welcome to The Price of Football The show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game And apologises sincerely for not offering a prize for our three millionth customer I'm Kevin Day and he's Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire Three million Kieran, that's not bad is it? It, it, it's 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 gobsmacking.
1: We, we we got very excited when we got to ten thousand. Uh, I, I remember from days back gone by. D- does this now mean that we'll get an invite to appear on Celebrity Pointless?
0: I think that's almost guaranteed. I, I, I shall put a call in to Richard Osman immediately. That would be great. Uh, I'll, I'll get double wine in the green room as well because you won't want yours. Exactly. <laughs> I, just, I, can just, I can just imagine us two bickering on Celebrity Pointless Well, Richard Osmond goes, you've had an hour to answer this question. Can you just get on, <laughs> put, the mind, put the mind map away and just pick one of the things from the board? Now, having 3 million downloads may lead you to believe that the price of football is a well-oiled machine, competent and professional. Uh, <laughs> not always. Turns out I've mislaid an email. I'm not sure how you do that, but following recent quizzes, I know there are three people out there expecting prizes, namely a book, tickets for a TV show, and a drawing. If that's you, can you please email the usual questions address, and I'll rectify that. Um, To the lady in France, your prize is definitely on the way, and don't you people be falsely claiming you're the prize winner because producer guy is all over that, although... I reckon the email issue was his fault in the first place. He disagrees. Um, and people now listening to this for the first time because of the publicity about us getting 3 million downloads will be thinking, how the bloody hell did this pod get 3 million downloads? <laughs> BAFTA have gone already. They've they, they never have got to be on the introduction. Um, it, it's questions day, Kieran, but we do have one news story. Uh, and that story is that FIFA are to ban agents from representing players and clubs in the same deal. And... Judging by the correspondence and communication and conversation we've had with a lot of our listeners, they will be thinking, how is this allowed to happen in the first place?
1: Um, Yes, and and I've been in contact with our uh, agent friend, Jonathan, and he thinks that uh, this is FIFA pushing things a bit, and he's not convinced that it will go through, Um, Ah. and, and that there's likely to be some form of legal redress by people that represent... Agents, so yeah, we we've got friends in the uh, in the sports uh, sports law industry, uh, and they will no doubt be looking at the latest uh, two week holidays in Courcheval and so on (laughs) on on the back of of what's happening here. Um, But in terms of dual representation, uh, I I can understand some people taking a view that there is a conflict of interest. Um, Players and clubs. Have historically been quite happy about it because it has, uh, from a taxation point of view, uh, if the agent takes a fee and their dual representation, then um, you know, 50% of the uh, the fee is uh, taxable by the player and 50% uh, by the, the club. Uh, but if it, If it it has to be sole representation, it could mean that the the player ends up with a a, a larger tax bill or a larger cost in respect of this, which uh, won't go down well with the players.
0: Okay, questions. Um, And you remember, Kieran, that I mentioned us being a well-oiled machine. (laughs) Uh, Our first question, (laughs) I can tell you who it's about. It's about Scunthorpe United, but I can't tell you who it's from because uh, upon rudimentary checking with producer guy to say, is this question anonymous? It doesn't seem like it's a serious or sensitive enough question to be anonymous. Awesome producer guy just went, oh, yeah, forgot to put the name down. Not in that accent. I don't like to do his Morrissey accent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said, just read it out next week. But I, I don't think that's fair, Kieran. I think I think Scunthorpe United fans have waited long enough for this question to be answered. So if this is your question. Everybody has waited a long time for their question
1: to be answered, to be fair. Oh, that give, is a fair give, point. Given that actually. we've got an 800 backlock to work yes, our way so through. It,
0: yes. If, oh, Christ. yeah, it's Maybe this person's not still with us. Maybe that's why. <laughs> um I can only apologise. We will read your name out twice next week, um Mr Scunthorpe. That. Uh, but the question is this. My local team, as we now ascertained as Scunthorpe United, has been a financial concern for many supporters. And I wondered what Kieran's thoughts are of our current situation, especially in relation to the owner, Peter Swan. Now, the only thing I recall you telling about uh, Peter Swan, the owner of Scumthorpe, is that he's got nightclubs in Blackpool as well. Is that right? He has indeed, yes. Yes, it's, t- it's terrible that that's the only bit of information my mind retains after the end of each pod.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, well... Looking at Scumthorpe's finances, um, I, I think they are um, fair to say that they are very reliant upon Peter Swan uh, and his Blackpool nightclub because uh, over the course of the last five years, they've been losing seventy thousand pounds a week. A, uh, week. a week, yeah. So wow. yeah, that's three and a half million pounds a year, every year. Um, and um, you say, well, we, how can that? How can, on earth can that be? Um, it's it's due to the the old issue of uh, not being able to control costs. So um, over the last eight years, for every one hundred pounds that Scunthorpe United have brought in as a football club uh, in terms of revenue, they paid out one hundred and forty three in wages, which is is insanity. You know, from any form of normal business concern. So um, Peter Swan has effectively been underwriting the losses. And he's been doing this uh, via his company called Cool Silk, uh, which I think is a property and investment company. Um, it's lent the football club over eleven million pounds uh, last year. It charged Scunthorpe United Football Club three hundred ninety-three thousand pounds in in interest on those loans. So he's he's not doing it for free. Although I think mm-hmm. the I think it's one of those loans where the interest gets added to the capital. Uncle Terry used to specialise in those. Uh, except he would charge interest on a daily basis um, and get me to do the sums, and that, that's actually that can turn out to be uh, some eye-boggling numbers. Um, and uh, last year, all, he also uh, acquired the naming rights to Scunthorpe's uh, mm. stadium, uh, and Cool Silk paid two million pounds for that. So there's lots of there's lots of weird numbers uh, roaming around. Now, you know he, he's he's he put his money where his mouth is. That can't be denied. Um, we could also say the same about Mel Morris at Derby, and this right. is this is always my concern. Um, and this was also the issue with uh, Stuart Day at Barry. You know, he 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 underwrote losses significantly. Then there's either a change of circumstances or a change of heart. Um, and if an owner is allowing a club to lose large amounts of money, and personal circumstances change. Health changes, um, or they just think, "Yeah, I'm I'm fed up of this." You know, I'm, I'm I'm putting a load of money into the club. I'm getting a load of abuse. as has happened at some clubs. Um, then then they might decide to walk away. And it's that legacy of of a club which is losing money. And as we've said on more than one occasion, the vast majority of clubs. In it's certainly in the EFL and, and yeah, there's quite a few of them in the Premier League as well. It, even in non-COVID years, are losing money. Um, yeah, you know, they are trophy assets. What happens if you lose interest? What happens if if uh, you know if we take the case of uh, Bolton Wanderers, where Eddie Davis put in 175 million pounds and he's you know he's, he sadly passed away, and things things can get things can go downhill very rapidly if you're not running it as a sustainable business.
0: So your love for accountancy came from as a child doing the numbers for a south london racket.
1: Well yeah I've always been good at doing numbers in my head so, yeah, oh, un- see, yeah. so uncle Terry would would come round and uh, because I am slight well I am very odd um I've always had this sort of mental arithmetic uh, s- 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 shtick. Um, so Uncle Terry would come around and say, so if I lend somebody uh, £30 and charge them 2%, uh, 2% a day and it takes them a month, I could just sort of work out the numbers for him.
0: Yeah, of course, Uncle Terry not being a man for writing things down for obvious reasons. Exactly,
1: exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Cash yeah.
0: is king. And, and just, it turns out, Kieran, amazingly, that not all our listeners are accountancy nerds. A lot of them listen just for the football aspect and, and for those people and, uh, of course, for me, when you say adding the interest to the capital, isn't that what all loans do? I mean, what, can you just elaborate on what that means? Well, what happens in respect of
1: some loans, and these are uh, often referred to P.I.K. loans, or um, that that stands for for payment in kind. It's where you you charge interest. the The interests, so let's say you you borrow a hundred pounds, you're paying yeah. Ten percent interest a month on some, from you know, dodgy lender, and they charge you ten percent, and then you don't pay them anything at the end of uh, end of month one, and then they charge you another ten percent on the hundred and ten, so that so every so everything ah, gets okay. compounded, and Compound- you end oh, right, up you. Um, paying far more money than you initially realised.
0: Got you. Okay, we have two questions about Everton now, and the first one comes from Michael Vodkonig. I apologise, as usual, if I've mispronounced that. Uh, Michael, I'm fairly confident with. Um, Michael Vodkoning says Everton FC have a director of risk and governance. Is this unique in professional football, or do other clubs in England have a, a risk management function? And what about internal audit? How many clubs have a director of internal audit?
1: Um, I, it's, it's the first time I've seen Michael a, a risk or governance director. Um, you know clearly with issues such as financial fair play, with issues with regards to uh, the behaviour of employees, then I think it's useful to have somebody that's perhaps from a legal background, somebody from a governance background, um, when decisions are being made. Um, So, for example, um, if we take a look at the, uh, the naming rights option for Everton, uh, you know some somebody's paid 35 million pounds uh, over a year ago for a naming rights for a stadium um which at the time did not even have planning approval mm. now um you know, does that does that 35 million pounds count towards financial fair play that was absolutely critical because um you know as, as we will be finding out fairly shortly everton have been going a little bit uh, a, a little bit crazy when it comes to spending money. So so the club was in genuine danger of exceeding financial fair play. So a person who has an intricate knowledge of rules of uh, of the governance of the game is absolutely essential because they can advise upon appropriate courses of action to ensure that uh, you don't exceed limits. You, you don't end up on a charge from the football authorities.
0: Okay. Well, our next question, oddly enough, uh, links directly to that. Um, so kudos to producer guy, uh, still doesn't make up for missing out the name <laughs> on the first question. Uh, but, um, people at home may not hear any of this because he, he might be editing it himself this week. Could be This could be his week. Uh, rather than those several unpaid youngsters that he uses to edit it uh, every time. Interns, that's the word I was looking for. It was a long night. Uh, This is Sunday morning. My son, Ed, came home last night at 1 o'clock waiting for a phone call from his partner uh, to say when she was going to be home so he could get an Uber, and I decided to stay up with him. And watch uh, old football games and highlights. So, terrific. yeah, well, it was, but somebody managed to fish a bottle of Jameson out of his back pocket. So, not not so terrific. <laughs>
1: well, the, uh, the the Baroness has spent the weekend up in Manchester on a gin tour, um, <laughs> and apparently, this involves having to go around. You, you're driven around in a, in a large. Uh, sort of a large wagon with uh, with, a, with uh, about a dozen other, I think it's fair to say, cackling ladies um, who uh, who go round to five or six distilleries. And uh, then, then listen, uh, sort of nodding whilst giggling, uh, while somebody reads out lists of botanicals, and then they get absolutely slammed on on the various cocktails on offer. So she phoned me up at a, a, a very unusual time of the night, you know, and think, and you first think, oh God, what are you doing phoning me at that time? Somebody died. You, know, you think it's a panic, uh, just to tell me that she loved me, uh, oh, which, which was nice.
0: Oh, oh, I'm welling up. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fairly standard sitcom, 70s male response. You can't be phoning up to tell me she loves me. <laughs> Somebody must have died. Um, yeah, The reason she'll be hammered is not just the uh, occasional sip of the gin. It will be the drink that's in that large vehicle that's driving him around Manchester yes. as well. Um, the Everton question, uh, which... Ah, it's been a while since we asked the last Everton question, so let's just <laughs> remind people that it leads on from that question. John O'Leary says that as an Everton fan, I've seen lots of money spent in recent years with a large amount of it going to signings that haven't really worked out. What I want to know is how does that affect a club's internal finances and FFP when an expensive player leaves on a three at the end of their contract? For example, Yannick Bellassi at the end of last season. I feel so sorry for Yannick because he was... Without a doubt, one of the most exciting talents I've seen at Sellers Park. And it didn't quite work out for him at Everton. But he, John's quite right. They've had a number of players that they've bought in on big money mm. that didn't work out. So so how does, it, how does it work out?
1: Well, if you take a look at player costs from a club perspective, there's two elements to it. First of all, there's wages. And secondly, there's our very good friend, Amortisation. So um when Yannick Balassi uh, was under contract at Everton uh, the, the the amortization cost we it cost around was it about 20 million you sold him for yeah yeah so yep, yeah 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 so if that was on a 5 year contract that would have been a 4 million pound cost each year which would have been going against financial fair play um and then his, his wages as well and uh, yeah the the Everton wage bill has has doubled since 2016, and if if you add wages and amortisation together, they've gone up from 104 million pounds in 2016 to 264 by the time we got to 2020. So the new owner Farhad Mashiri has uh, has again you know put his money where his mouth is. going back to Peter Swan, and you know but benevolent owners are 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 good in the sense that uh, they 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 can. Increase the quality of, of the purchases if they are correctly made. If not, you know, if if for personal circumstances, or it could be that your style of football doesn't quite fit in, then then there's an issue. So when when that player's contract expires, you you get that uh, you, you get both of those costs off your off your FFP calculations, which which for Everton's case is is absolutely essential. Yeah, they're they're losing two and a half million pounds a week. Which, which puts the Scunthorpe seventy thousand pounds a week yeah. into a different context, and you know, and we are dealing here with with owners who whose wealth I, I think it's very difficult to relate to in in terms of uh, you know that there is me wondering, uh, you know, I, I, I've when, when, I'm, when I am when I go to the supermarket getting the uh, getting the cheap food, you know, we you know eight o'clock when they they when reduce the prices, so you know, there is there is there is different there is different levels of wealth uh, in play here.
0: Well, see, as we know, Kieran, a lot of your family money is going on gin. Yes. (laughs) It doesn't help. So it's not quite – so Everton fans will say what all fans do because this has happened to every club. Yeah. So Yannick Bellassi, it doesn't work out for him, mainly because of a terrible injury that he got early on. Everton fans will say, well, we paid 20 million quid for him. He went on a free transfer, so we've lost 20 million quid. But it's not quite true, is it?
1: Um, No, because you you can recover that – in other ways, I think he went out on loan to Middlesbrough for one season, so there will yeah, been a loan fee. Yeah. Um, and also, you you get the benefit of his service. Now, you know, I appreciate that that hasn't worked out, but uh, you know some you know Lionel Messi left on a free. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo is, will may leave on a free after two years at, at Manchester United, but you still get the the opportunity to see these people play. So it's 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 not, it's not a lost cost because if they contribute towards victories if they contribute towards the entertainment then then that's how it's being consumed. Mm.
0: Now our next question comes from Andy Barraclough and the risk Kieran, of northern stereotyping I'm go- I'm going to suggest that Andy Barraclough probably has a similar voice to producer guy. <laughs> Sounds to me like Barraclough is the sort of name that will have that that soft gentle middle class manchester accent that hides a rod of iron and refuses you <laughs> Cash. Any money. <laughs> <laughs> Andy Paracluff says, since the demise of Football Index, I've become an avid listener of your superb pod. Thank you, Andy. I just wanted to know with the collapse of the Super League, how much worse does it have to get before Barcelona cease to exist? And would this ever be allowed to happen? It's a good question, Kira, because as each week goes by, we, we talk about how much more Barcelona are losing money.
1: Yes, so the, their their debts are around about 1.1%. Uh, billion, but I've always said debt in itself is not an issue. Yep. It's it's can you service the debt? And the big issue that we've seen at Barcelona is that the club has been hit proportionately more by COVID than uh, perhaps other clubs. Uh, certainly, clubs in the Premier League because the Premier League. Why, got why their- is
0: that? Why is that, Kieran? Just because of their size,
1: the, the size of the stadium, the fact that they've got the museum there, the fact that they've got you know conference facilities and so on, and all of that closed down um but it also has to be said there was spectacular financial mismanagement yep. at barcelona football club over a number of years and uh you know i, I know lots of people say well barcelona's fantastic because it's a members only club which has a presidential model and and that's okay but the trouble is it results in a series of presidents if, if, if you if you want to get people to vote for you 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 make outlandish promises to them. Yeah. And, and we've seen with Barcelona uh, a series of players who have been signed who, who, frankly, have have failed to deliver in terms of the, the costs of, of acquiring them. So, Coutinho, yeah, what was, yeah, 140 million, Griezmann, another 100 million. They signed him at the age of 28, 29, so they're not going to recover much. Uh, they signed Dembele, again, for far more than you know, well over 100 million. Um, And then you put their wages on top. And all three of those players have have been somewhere in the region of mediocre to meh uh, in terms of what they've delivered in terms of the pitch. So there has been financial mismanagement. It has increased the the risk. But uh, we also have a saying in business, too big to fail. Now, do you want to be the bank manager? Who is will be forever known as the person who closed down Barcelona Football Club? Um, you know that that can be yeah. You'd have to have cojones of steel uh, to to be willing to do that. Um, and and then we got this 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 paradox in respect of Barcelona is in that we we spoke about this only a few days ago that they are planning to uh, effectively close uh, the, the new camp yeah. for a year uh, because they want to expand it. And you're thinking, well, that's going to involve more debt. So um, I, I think their, their problems effectively, you know, the, the lack of revenue problem coincided with an era, an era of vast overspending. Uh, we've seen Real Madrid cut back on spending in the last couple of years and, and their finances are far better um i th- i think barcelona's finances will improve so uh, i i don't i don't see that issue of uh, you know how how bad does it have to get because they they are now predicting uh, a break even this year compared to losses of over 400 million last year
0: well that's good because i think Andy's question is a valid one yeah, yeah. it is but you know we've seen we've seen the whole countries go bankrupt Kieran. we've seen huge banks go out of business, you know, there's, there's only so far that the finance industry will let any piece of elastic stretch. And, and at the risk of sounding flippant, yeah, you, you would have to have cojones of steel to, to bankrupt Barcelona, but at the same time, you're going to get a lot of new accounts from Real Madrid fans, aren't you? So there's, you, you can't just ceaselessly allow a popular institution to get more and more into debt, can you? Whatever it is.
1: Yes, and, and I think that's what we've seen over the course of this summer. Yeah, you know, M- Messi did not want to leave Barcelona. Barcelona did not want him to leave, but they they had to they had to allow it under the circumstances because they simply couldn't afford to to pay him. And um, yeah, we, we will see uh, an exodus. We will see uh, restraint in terms of player recruitment. I suspect um, over the course of the next couple of years, and that's how they will be able to. Um, redress the, the the financial overhang of of the past few years, where they've they've just you know they've just simply spent too much money.
0: Now, our, our next question comes from somebody. Uh, I already like him just because of his name, and <laughs> just because I know that every time his name is read out at assembly, somebody would have made a smart ass comment because it's, it's Mark Middling. And it's Mark Middling. I'm going to check where that surname comes from because it's a great surname. Uh, hopefully, Hobbiton. Uh, but Mark Middling <laughs> says that Grimsby Town have become a B Corp as part of their recent takeover, and he's taken the words right out of my mouth. What does that mean?
1: Yes, yeah. I I I thought initially B Corp was sort of. One one of the names of those nineteen eighties hooligan firms that you used to <laughs> you associate, you know, it, 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 there's the infamous F Troop uh, at yeah, Millwall. Yeah. There was the six fifty seven crew, which I think came out of Portsmouth, and the Cool Cats yeah. at, uh, at Main Road, and so on. So, oh blimey, is this, a, uh, but but it, it turns out to be something different. Um, it's it's actually um, it, it's 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 a kite mark. For a company, it doesn't have to be in the football industry. Who has been graded as being good on community, environmental governance, uh, the way it treats customers and workers. So, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not sure Newcastle uh, under its present ownership are likely to be applying for B Corp, for example. Um, but um, so it's it's the equivalent of you know the Red Tractor awards in agriculture. Or you know fair trade for chocolate and coffee and, and things like oh, okay. that. Uh, you know, so Ben and Jerry's, Innocent smoothies. It's it's sort of that type of uh, kite marking, and and there is something called the the B Corp corporation, which which goes round and independently assesses you uh, with regards to this, and uh, you know they will then uh, say, well, you, you need to work harder at, at particular elements. So, in a world where I think the behaviour of corporate entities is coming under more scrutiny, um, you can see the benefits of this. Um, uh, do B Corp oper- corporations are they going to be profit maximising to the same extent as as some others? I'm not so sure. Uh, but then, you know, the, we, I think we've established that you, know, you don't you don't go into football. Uh, to make profit, um, unless you're uh, an owner of super league club, um, but uh, so it's it's a it's a different type of uh, organisation. You're still a limited company, but you've been given uh, you, you've been given a gold star.
0: Right. So what you're saying is that far from there being financial benefits to being a B corp, you could actually lose a bit of money because it costs you to to maintain the standards it takes.
1: Yes. So. Right. Uh, You know, if 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 you do have a commitment towards uh, you know communication, transparency, uh, treating your workers in a particular way, um, then then that may come at a financial cost. Alternatively, um, you know, we we've spoken to uh, clubs such as Lincoln, who have a fantastic. Uh, interface a really good rapport with the fan base which yeah. means and it's the same at Accrington and Tranmere and you know and, and other clubs that we've had contact with Um, and, and what you actually find is treat people well and that that can actually come back to be your your financial benefit in the longer term because people feel that there is a, a genuine relationship there is a genuine sense of the club is part of the community yeah. and on on the back of that I'm um, you know I might buy an extra shirt, or yeah. you know, I might bring a couple of friends along because they're saying, hey, "Come along to Lincoln because you know they're, they're really progressive," um, and so on. So, yeah, you know, think of it as a as an investment, um, and you know, an investment which which can have a return both on a non-financial basis in terms of hey you're good people but also you know good things happen to good people as well and and it and it can can result in a uh, you know if, if you're having a bad run of form the fans stick with the club to a greater uh, for a greater period of time because they know that they are good guys
0: it's amazing Kira, isn't it you still have to explain to some people that treating people well is the right thing to do it's just it's it's especially because uh, it's you know, I always think of my granddad's words, God rest his soul. Sometimes it's just nice to be nice, exactly. And and well done, Grimsby Towers. I think you're right. Those intangible benefits, I think, are worth are worth a lot. Um I was going to say you can't <laughs> I hoist myself by my own petard, but I was about to add that you can't tell how much that is, but that intangible kind of covered that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Our next question comes from Paul Jordan, and Paul says, first off, I must say that your podcast has been a brilliant aid in traversing through COVID. I really hope you both know that, and I am sure that many others are very appreciative of the quality content you're producing that make my Mondays and Thursdays that much better. From what you've heard so far, Paul, your Monday may not have been improved (laughs) by the quality of some of this content. But we really appreciate your comments, Paul. We really appreciate the comments of of many of you who have taken the time to say similar things. So thank you very much. Um, Paul says, my question, as many other people's questions are, is in relation to financial fair play and how clubs can have remarkable losses and yet still not be penalised under FFP. Kieran posted Aston Villa's accumulated losses on April 23rd, and it got me thinking, how can a club lose a total of £204 million in 2018-19-20 accounts and still not fall foul of FFP? This episode of The Price of Football is brought to you by the AI-powered workspace, Notion. What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today? In Notion... You do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action.
1: My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly, and I'm always jumping from project to project. So therefore, Notion helps me from summarising meetings notes and automatically generating action items to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company... Or a freelance football finance lecturer
0: you can try notion for free when you go to notion.com slash price of football that's all lowercase letters notion.com slash price of football and start turning ideas into action that's notion.com slash price of football <laughs>
1: Well, you have a good accountant. Uh, is, um, is, the, is the simple answer, but if, if I expand upon that in, in certain ways, first of all, um, you, you can you can rack up losses far in excess of the one hundred and five million pounds, which is sort of the the headline figure. It's it's the, it's the it's the figure that you'll always see uh, quoted by the media, and the reason for this, first of all, is that there are certain costs which are excluded from financial fair play. Um, and, and, I, and I checked uh, Villa's accounts this morning before we came out. And, and, and Villa, I think, are quite cute with regards to this. They actually state exactly how much they invest in their academy. So their, their academy costs, their community costs, their infrastructure costs – Lots of clubs don't show this, and Villa Villa have been, Villa are sort of one step ahead. They, you know, they said that that their academy is costing them you know, in the region of nine to ten million pounds a year. So over three years, that's thirty million, which counts towards uh, you know, is excluded from FFP uh, community schemes. Their, their commitment towards the community scheme in twenty twenty trebled. Fantastic! You know, hats off to Villa. As far as I'm concerned, you know, it was it was a tough. Tough year, especially with with the arrival of COVID. So, you know, huge uh, huge kudos there. Um, so, th- there are certain costs which are excluded. In addition, um, what you can do, and I sort of alluded to this with regards to the comments about Everton, is that you can have certain one off benefits. So, in in the case of Villa um yeah they they did sell the stadium to another company owned by the owners they made some profits on that um i think part of the training facilities ended up being built oh, sorry, being acquired um by effectively by the government for the uh, the new uh, the new rail scheme yeah yeah the, the new rail link between um london birmingham and HS2, the northwest yeah. hs2 yeah. that's right um, and that gave them more money, um, so so that contributed. And uh, finally, the Premier League itself has said we're going to slightly relax the FFP rules in the sense that if you have lost money because you've had to play behind closed doors, we'll give you an allowance for that. If you've incurred extra costs because the players have to socially distance they're in bubbles there's there's additional costs of testing we'll give you an allowance for that so you throw all of that together and Villa in my view will have sneaked under the uh, the 105 million limit not not by far but you know you don't have to do it by far um but but, but that that's the type of things that that clubs, uh, will be looking at very carefully, and you know, having a director of governance, linking to the the Everton question earlier, um, or a Loop Loop Finder General, as I would probably refer to him as, um, then uh, you know, this 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 can allow the clubs to to avoid any sanctions from the uh,
0: from the football authorities. You enjoyed answering that question, didn't you? <laughs> yes, yeah, I just did. Yeah, just the just the right amount of detail in there, didn't you? Uh, and before uh, people uh tweet shall we shall we ascertain that you meant loop hole finder general oh yes or or were you referring (laughs) were you referring to loop the early 90s bass heavy manchester (laughs) man (laughs) the mate of mine was bass player yeah yeah james endicott he's uh heartbreaking looking at the old photographs and looking at him in person now times times a terrible thing isn't it um he yeah, was really interesting and when I met him, and I met him through a mutual friend about ten years ago. And something, you know, oh, he's a bass player in a band. And I went, what? oh which band? And he went, Loop. And he could see that my face fell because I was never a fan. Ah, uh-huh. and I'd say, no, no, I loved him. He went, what was your favourite song? I went, you got me, you got me. <laughs> <laughs> um, now you know, Kieran. I try and respect people as much as possible by getting their names right. But this name is proof Mm. that even five simple letters can (laughs) contain many hurdles. I'm going to go for Andrew Flood, but it could be Andrew Floud. It could even be Andrew Flood. I know Mm. it's F-L-O-U-D. So, Andrew, again, I apologise. But Andrew Flood's question uh, is an interesting one, Kieran, because it, it mentions something that is increasingly talked about in football commentaries as players having a background or at least expertise in this particular sport. Of, of which I have very little knowledge. And Andrew's question is, uh, I watched the UEFA futsal Champions League on BT Sport earlier this year. Um, you didn't have to tell us where you watched it, uh, Andrew, but we'll throw in an extra bit of publicity for them. It might help in their huge sell-off to an Italian company that, whose name we can't properly pronounce. <laughs> um but anyway, Andrew watched the for Futsal Champions League, which was won by Sporting Lisbon against Barcelona. And I was wondering the following, is there a reason Premier League and other major European clubs don't put in teams? Would there be much money to be made by winning the competition? And is there much commercial value to the competition for the clubs taking part? So we, we do hear increasingly, Kieran, of other versions of football, you know, cage football, all sorts of five, aside football. So it's an interesting question, this
1: yes um and, and it is sanctioned by both FIFA and UEFA. So there is an acknowledgement that futsal is uh, uh, you know it, it is part it comes under the umbrella of, of what we see as football um it, it, I think that part of the problem is that it is very popular in some countries but it's not it doesn't have that universal appeal um yeah. presently that, uh, that that football does have so you know places such as Brazil and Spain and Portugal um it, it is it is uh, it, it it goes down and attracts a big audience but then you know i you know if, if i go if i go back to to ireland you know hurling and uh, gaelic football you know the crowds they get there and and you go to you go get southern hemisphere you got aussie rules you know there are there yeah. are certain yeah. um there are certain sports which which are localized um a bit like stall ball in sussex of course
0: um but yeah, um, and we we haven't got time to go through that explanation again. <laughs> no, period. no. suffice to say, only in Sussex. Yes,
1: yes. Um, the the reason why um, Premier League clubs at present don't show much interest in it is is that the skills required are very similar to those of traditional football. So so futsal it's it's a, it's an indoor game of football. It's played with a with a heavier sort of less bouncy ball. Um, on a hard surface, the, the the emphasis is very much on dribbling. Well, you know, those those skills are, are the skills you'd also associate with football itself. So the chances are that, that the sport, to a certain extent, chooses you. If you are a very good footballer and you're given a choice between futsal or football, you're going to choose the latter because it pays more. So it, yeah. it, it's ultimately, it's, it's driven – buy money as far as the uefa competition is concerned i think i think this year's futsal championship they've got 55 clubs from 51 countries so you know it's there's certainly an interest in it um the the average wages for this sort of the senior clubs i think they're probably only around about 20 grand a year so you know it's not going to uh it's not going to attract people to switch codes um, although I understand that the sort of the, the best player of futsal, who is called uh, Ricardinho, um, which which I presume is Brazilian, he he is the first uh, one million dollar player a year. Um, so. It, it's a case of building up an interest for it um, i think it could be similar to uh, the the big clubs seeing this uh, you know, if they have the facilities to play it and, and also yeah you, know, you the fact that it's an indoor sport and it is five a side then you know that 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 has uh, that has implications for the maximum number of people that can watch it you know, because it's going to be only at certain certain locations yeah. so th- i think there are there are sort of uh, you know in, in, intrinsic challenges in terms of its uh, availability. But, you yeah, know, we, we are seeing the rise of esports and, and clubs trying to associate themselves with, with FIFA, uh, you know, the, the the electronic arts game. Um, and, and this could be a way of, of generating more money
0: on a longer term. But I think it's got a long way to go first. You know, when I was a kid, Kieran, in the 70s, I used to love the Evening Standard London Five-A-Side oh, yeah. tournament. Used to love it, and the reason I used to love it, apart from the fact there was a bit of football on telly, was I used to lose my shit seeing players in plimsolls. <laughs> I just, they were in up like we were at school. We used to. The only thing that ruined it was my dad shouting periodically, "Watford's not in London." <laughs> used to, used to. It's very unpredictable the things that used to irritate my dad, but if the big match was on, if Brian Moore said, today we've got Watford. Oh, God, I used to have to try and turn the telly down before <laughs> my dad heard. Watford's not in London! have we got red buses. I think it's, 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 there's other criteria, Dad, but... Anyway, Duncan might I just the other thing. So their local Derby's Luton, and Luton's definitely not in London, so how can they be in London? Well, right, according right. to the airlines, it is. That's a fair point, yeah, but according to the airlines, <laughs> so is Geneva. Um, <laughs> one airline in particular well I'll fly Ryanair right to London Geneva I'll walk the rest of the way then uh, Duncan Martin has our next question and Duncan says I listen to the pod religiously as soon as it is available and Duncan as a comedian I feel honour bound to say why are you listening to it kneeling down uh, <laughs> the universe w- wouldn't allow me to sleep if I didn't say that, Duncan. But thank you for saying that, Duncan. It's very kind of you. I'm going to say it again. Duncan says, I listen to the pod religiously as soon as it is available. And I finally have a question to ask, uh, which is lovely. Now, Duncan has started off with a lovely, lovely compliment there. he's And he's basically, he's lured us in. As he's doing the old bait-and-switch, because the next part of his question <laughs> says, Swiss Ramble... Oh, <laughs> who, who, who <laughs> refuses to come on the show. Uh, he, have we asked him? Yeah, I've asked him loads of times. Have we? Yeah. Why? Why do we do want him on? Well, I, I, mean, I, I want to learn from the master. I, I, I have trouble enough keeping up with you. I don't, <laughs> how am I supposed to listen to... I'm not, not going to be able to come up with questions clever enough to keep Swiss Ramble involved. How can we... if We can't afford Swiss Ramble. That's true. We can pay him in That's total <laughs> I wonder what the exchange rate is at the moment between the pound and toberone. Uh Anyway, Duncan says, Swiss Ramble. Have we ever got through a question, do you think, here, about getting distracted? No. By, well, here we go. Now being distracted by being distracted. Swiss Ramble wrote a Twitter thread about the finances of the Dirty Dozen recently. The summary, as far as I can tell, is that City and Chelsea have no issues. Man United and Liverpool are okay and everyone else is broke or worse. Now, is this a consequence of financial fair play failing to have teeth and allowing the state oligarch owned clubs to buy success? Are UEFA going to revisit it? And this is the part of the question that many people echo. Have they given up? And if so, does this make further schisms like the Super League inevitable? Um,
1: Right. In in terms of, Duncan's comment about um, the the oligarch-stroke uh, petro-owned clubs buying success. I think success has been bought in football forever. Yeah. If, yes, if, you, if, yes, you, if you take a look, yes. I mean, I, I did. Um, I, I did an analysis of every club that had won the Premier League uh, a few months ago, and with the the incredible exception of uh, Leicester City. Yeah. Um, the the club that was paying either the, the the highest or the second highest wages won the Premier League practically every season. So so you know m- m- money talks in football, and uh, the, the Premier League and the Champions League, I, I think, are a reflection of that. Um, so in terms of the the non Premier League clubs, again, sort of sort of harking back to an earlier question, they have been hit. To a greater extent than clubs in the Premier League, because the Premier League has this cushion of this amazing TV deal. Um, but certainly, those in Spain and Italy have uh, have, uh, have suffered a, 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 as a result of COVID to a greater extent. Um, part of that is is down to financial mismanagement, because um, if if you listen to Florentino Perez of Real Madrid talk, he, his view is that Real Madrid should be winning the the Champions League on an annual yeah. basis. Um, and anything uh, which which comes to challenge that, he, he feels is, is 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 therefore morally and ethically wrong. Um, but uh, it, it, going back to UEFA and FFP, it looks as if financial fair play, as we know it, um, they are going to throw in the towel. Um, it has been partially successful, in in my view, in the sense that. Clubs such as Chelsea and Manchester City, they don't, they don't have the biggest wage bills in football in Europe. Um, I, I think actually they, they just tend to spend their money better. They they have a they have a better strategy um, than some of the other clubs, and 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 they've not uh, uh, they've not spaffed it against a wall as our prime minister would possibly describe it as. Um, but the, the it looks like the proposals from UEFA is that financial fair play. Uh, which is based on profitability, and the thing is about you know, profit. Profit is a uh, profit is an abstract concept, and, and therefore, trying to nail things down when you're dealing with an abstract is very difficult. Um, is is going to be replaced by saying that clubs can only spend a certain amount of their income um, on wages, and if you uh, exceed that, you will be subject to a super tax. So, let's say that. Uh, it, let's let's say we've got a 70% limit. If you generate 100 million a year, you can only spend 70 million on wages. If you choose to pay 80 million on wages, you're 10 million above and you've got to pay, I think it's a pound for pound or euro for euro basis. So you'd have to go and pay 10 million extra in wages. You've then got to go and pay 10 million to UEFA, which will they will then distribute amongst the rest of the, and I quote, football family. Um and so therefore that will help to equate. So those clubs who are being funded by new owners who who want to spend more money can do so, but that will come at a price. How does that address the issue of the oligarch or the, the petro funded clubs? Um, they'll they'll just, you know, in theory, they can go and spend as much as they want provided they're prepared to pay the tax. My concern Is that there are you know know, the first thing I would do is it's I I'd start to look for the loopholes, and I wouldn't necessarily pay the players as much, but I would set up parallel contracts with sponsors. Um, who, yeah, we've got a player who wants three hundred grand a week. We're going to pay tax on that. Pay him two hundred grand a week, and get one of the sponsors to pay him a hundred grand a week as an ambassador for that company. Yeah, provided you've got a a, a friendly sponsor, um, and of course, many many clubs do. Um, mm-hmm. Then then you can end up with the, the worst of both worlds.
0: Interesting to hear, Kieran, your answer to the question: Have they given up? Is essentially yes for yep. now yep. on this version of FFP. But it's even more interesting that Duncan asked it because I think one of the reasons this pod continues is that you talk to many, many football fans and they all say, well, they've given up. UEFA, they don't enforce it because it's quite clear that it's not stopping the the seven or eight richest clubs in Europe from consistently being the teams that contest the Champions League final. But the problem is, even if you go back to the 60s and 70s, which we talk about with rose-tinted glasses (laughs) so often... It's still, yes, you know, Derby won it and Forrest won it, but for the most part, it's still the wealthiest clubs mm. in, in the leagues. And from the 80s onwards, it's, you know, how many times did Liverpool win it? It was, it was the clubs with the biggest fan base, and the biggest budget. So money's always spoken in football, and We know that. If you, you go back in history to the start of the Football League, yep. money's always spoken. And, you know, the teams like Villa were very influential because they were very wealthy back in 1888 and so on. So, anyway... Um, Duncan, thank you for listening to the pod religiously and thank you for your question. Uh, uh, Give our regards to Swiss Ramble next time you like one of his tweets. (laughs) And our final question comes from uh, Quentin Soldan, who's a friend of the pod. Uh, And this is one of those questions, Kieran. When I first read it, I just thought, well, that can't be right. But I think he is right. If, If players' wages continue to rise in line with TV income, surely this will negate the chance of any club making a profit and ultimately could mean many going out of business, that actually seems to have a logic to me, bearing in mind that I have no financial brain at all. But if all that happens with TV money going up is that clubs just push the wage bill up, that does seem to make sense. He's absolutely right. If if you go back, and I went back to the very
1: first year of the Premier League and I dug out all of the financial records of the club, since then the income of clubs in the Premier League has increased by 2,400%. A huge amount of money. Congratulations! Sure. The Premier League is a fantastic product. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, it compared to um, the the other, you know, big the other members of what we've referred to as the Big Five leagues in Europe. It's uh, the unpredictability, the, the enthusiasm of the people attending. You know, it's the quality of the football. You, you've only got to drop
0: down a few divisions to see that you
1: know the, the quality of the football in the Premier League is, is phenomenal.
0: Um, Um, Kieran, I mean, just just watching Match of the Day last night, just game after game of high-quality, entertaining, high-scoring football, right until that dreadful, (laughs) terrible, (laughs) shocking, how did they get two minutes of highlights out of that game?
1: (laughs) Yes, Alan Sugar, sorry, Alan Alan Shearer and Gary Lineker both, uh, sorry, Mark Chapman both looked embarrassed. Um, yeah, I'm. 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 just glad I was. I wasn't, wasn't allowed to go to the match because I, I had to look after <laughs> Finley because because the Baroness had gone on her gin tour.
0: Um, yes, I know. It's, it's, saved, sure saved by the gin. Um, what a nightmare for you that must have been being on your own in the house just with Finley. <laughs> well, Finley's well, great because you've taught him to hold your spreadsheet down, haven't exactly. you? <laughs> so, so, so the income
1: of clubs in in the Premier League has gone up by two thousand four hundred percent, but wages have gone up by. 2800%, which which even producer guy would say that's that's more money than he's made over that period. Yeah. So um it, it I mean Quentin's absolutely right. Um various attempts to cut back on wage inflation simply haven't worked. Um the I I I have I have a cunning plan called just say no. <laughs> um, when somebody asks for more money, but that that uh, that doesn't appear to, uh, to work, e- even in a world in which you know three word slogans appear to be how uh, uh, you know all government policies is decided <laughs> these days. Um, so uh, he's he's absolutely right. If, if more money comes into the game and there is no uh, serious attempt at cost control, uh, that that continued risk. So it doesn't matter what you do. You know, if you shift more money from the Premier League to the EFL. They're just going to spend it. If we set up the Super League, um, and one of the rules of the Super League was that you can only spend 55% of your your income on wages, somebody somebody will find out a way around it. So uh, where where there's a will, there's a way. Um, And ultimately, it's because the culture of football in terms of the way that it, it negotiates with players is determined at the very top by club owners. And many of them are not interested in a financial return solely. Um, and whilst we have a, a variety of uh, uh, owners and objectives, um, get, getting around the rules will be part of the game.
0: I'm glad you said that Quentin is right, because we ascertained quite firmly that I agreed with Quentin before you answered the question. So therefore, you're also saying that I'm right. Absolutely. That doesn't happen very often. <laughs> and you are you're just say no theory is absolutely right the problem is that every club has to adopt that theory because it's all very well you know we mentioned a couple of pods ago that Palace missed out on signing Tim Cahill because Simon Jordan wouldn't pay his agent's fee which Palace fans agreed with right up to the point where Tim Cahill signed for another club who would pay his agent fee and you know all, all that a player will say is if Club X says no we're not paying those wages he's got Club A to Y to go and who will do it is, is the problem, isn't it? And yes. It's, it's, yeah. And this is, and this of course is why ex-professional footballers who didn't earn that amount of money, are, you know, are still going about, well, it's the players running the game now, yeah. but it is, it, it's it always has been to an extent, but it, it certainly is now. Um, thank you to everyone who's made a donation to our pod via our Patreon site, which includes Basil, Paul Watkinson, Aaron Franklin, Gary White, and Clive Hill, uh, i tried try to leave a break there between Basil and Paul Watkinson in case people thought it was somebody called Basil Paul Watkinson. But <laughs> it's Basil and then Paul Watkinson. And now I'll say the others again because that wouldn't be fair. Aaron Franklin, Gary White and Clive Hill. If you would like to make a small monthly contribution to the pod, go to patreon.com forward slash price of football. And if you have a question you like answered on the show or you're the bloke from Scunthorpe who wants to remind us of his name or we owe you a prize, then email <laughs> us at questions at priceoffootball.com, and I shall hand you over to Kieran Maguire in his unusually quiet house uh, for his customary farewell.
1: <laughs> well, once again, folks, thank you very much for the support. Uh, we, we are genuinely touched at uh, A, uh, the fact that we've got we, – we've managed to have 3 million downloads, um, and, and B, what appears to be an outpouring of affection for the for the show as well, which, which is yeah. it's tough. Um, I, I know some of you said that it helped you during lockdown. I'll be honest – I'm speaking on behalf of both of us. It helped myself and Kevin during lockdown yeah. as well Brilliant. because it, it gave us a sense of a sense of purpose, a sense of you know, of, of actually knowing what day of the week it was. So it, it, <laughs> it's it's, it, it's genuinely been beneficial for us as well. Um, if you if you want to support the show, Patreon is one vehicle. Um, but if you just want to just want to get some good karma from 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 us go go to that big uh, apple purple icon uh, and if you could give us uh, five stars if you could give us a review um doesn't matter what you say um by all accounts according to producer by it, it helps us when we're trying to persuade people to come on the show as guests you could you could say it was you would rather it was presented by Alan Sugar and Susie Sue
0: and uh, <laughs> and I'd listen to that um I'd I'd, I'd listen to that <laughs> It wouldn't. It wouldn't be on for long, but I'd listen <laughs> no. to it. Um, but, uh,
1: but 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 it, it does help us from a business point of view. So other than that, stay safe, uh, look after yourselves, and love to everyone. Uh,
0: I've met both of those people. Let's just say that one of them is much nicer than the other. Uh, the one from Bromley—that's the only clue I'll give you. Uh, <laughs> and I'm guessing, Kieran, that if, if if there's anybody who currently doesn't know what day of the week it is, it's probably the Baroness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hopefully I'm by the, the th- time she gets home.
1: <laughs> yes, i i uh I think she's she's on a train uh probably regaling uh, passengers with telling them how wonderful <laughs> the the Manchester gin tour is and, uh,
0: and and talking botanicals at great length. No, she'll be on the train saying don't you know who I am? Do you know, don't you know who I'm married to? <laughs> I'm married to Kira Maguire that's who I'm married to. Uh, I'm staying in first class. bye everybody Bye. bye I suck football.